Leafs Nation, welcome to the Fanside Network's home for Leafs talk. Tip of the Tower is proud to present the TOT Cast Leafs Edition with your hosts, Chris O'Cranit and David Morissuti. Alright, I want to welcome everyone back to the TOT Fancast. Uh, as usual, my name is David Morissuti and I'm joined here by Jake Middleton. Uh, Chris O'Cranit is getting the day off again today. I think we're gonna have to charge Chris, uh, Chris, some overtime here, Jake. I think missing all this time. What do you think? I didn't know we were allowed so many sick days, but <laughs> up here in Canada, we're pretty generous with the sick days. I don't know how you guys are in the states with that. Yeah, I guess so. So the last time we talked, we were talking about all the signings that other teams are doing when free agency was breaking out, but the Leafs decided to make a couple of additions to the team. One very familiar in Roman Polak, and one that would, I don't know if I'd call it controversial, but one that got a lot of eyebrows raised when they brought in Matt Martin for four years. So let's talk about the two deals. You have Matt Martin here, four years, $10 million, so it's $2.5 million per season. You have Roman Polak here, he's back uh, for two and a half for one year. What do you think of the two signings? Which is the one you like the best? This, what do you think, Jake? Uh, I mean, Roman Polak signing, I'm like, meh. Uh, honestly, I think I would have preferred uh, Chris Russell if he was available for the same term just for a new face. But, I mean, uh, you can't really complain. The guy's given us two second-round picks, so that's good enough for me. I think I think that must have been a condition when he left Toronto. He's just like, if you, if I leave and I don't get signed, you're signing me. So I'm just going to get traded for more picks next year. Somebody, I think the best tweet that I saw was like, I wonder who were the were in the contracts. It was like instead of the no trade clause, it's like the must trade clause. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean Roman Polak. I mean Shanahan was on TSN radio saying that he sees him more as a depth guy this time around instead of a guy who may be in the top four. But you know, Mike Backhawk may have a different plan with him going into next season. But I'm gonna admit, I'm a little bit pissed off with Leafs Nation and people on Twitter and some of these, uh, I wouldn't say the media guys because their concerns are kind of legitimate but I'm hearing these complaints about you're bringing a Roman Polak but what if he takes a spot of a younger defenseman and who has to go now down on waivers to the Marlies and my thought process is if you're scared that Roman Polak is going to take the place of a player like let's say Frankie Corrado or, or Connor Carrick they're not good enough then they're not good enough you should not be scared that Roman Polak is going to take their place. Roman Polak is just there because you need a guy who's older than 25 years old on your blue line. Yeah, That's yeah, what it is. So I think people need to kind of relax with the Polak thing. It's just one year. If they gave him more than one year, then I would say, okay, there's a little bit of concern there. But it's one year, people. I think they need to kind of relax on that one. Uh, the Matt Martin one... Uh, that one I'm also a little not too happy with what some of the things are saying because many people are comparing. The comparisons I'm getting here is like Matt Martin is the next Colton Orr for the Leafs. Jake, can you please tell Leafs Nation they are wrong on Matt Martin with this? Because you're down in, you're you you see him play probably a little more often than we do. What do you? I do. So what do you, what what does Matt Martin bring to the team other than a pair of fists? I mean, he's a lot more than a pair of fists. I mean, outside of being Sidney Esiason's boyfriend, who, if you don't know, is Boomer Esiason's daughter, the Jets quarterback. 
She is outside yeah. of being a gorgeous woman. She's a great addition to the Leafs' wives' day. But uh, outside of that, I mean, he was a part of probably the best fourth line in all of hockey on that on that uh, Sezikis Martin uh, the CCM line. Sezikis Martin and Clutterbuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy just just busts his butts his ass all over the ice, hits anything that moves, and and just just ex- uh, just shows all the effort that you want in any of your players, and it's just something that that rubs off on everybody else. And uh, I mean, I guess I would have liked him to not be four years, but you can't really complain with the money. I mean, that's kind of the going rate for talented uh, fourth liners. Also, he's a very good skater too. That should not be uh, shouldn't be taken for granted. Is that he's a very good skater. Yeah, see, when I look at the stats, well, I'm looking at his stats right now. He actually had his career high in hits last season where he had 382. This past season, he had 365. He had 10 goals. People are kind of pointing to the shooting percentage. He had a ridiculously high shooting percentage of 11.6. So, I mean, it's hard. his career norm is probably in about the 6.5 to 7 range. That's probably where I think he'll get back to. His possession numbers are actually not too bad. Last season, his you know he was close to be close to fifty percent with his uh, with his possession. His PDO was really high; it was above the one hundred, which is what you want to see. Um, some people have talked about how his defensive game is pretty good, but the one thing that that Matt Martin brings that I think that is really important to this team is the fact that he's six foot three, two hundred twenty pounds, and can skate. The Leafs do not have many big size players that can skate. And no. Brandon Shannon was talking about having a balance on this team. Uh, the other day I was at the Leafs development camp and I saw Mitch Marner come out to the hallway without his equipment on and I thought he looked like a little kid. Now, Mitch Marner is a fantastic hockey player. We know that. But the guy needs to eat like a, a whole pizza to himself. He is so small. A day, small. a day. You know, and, and he was talking to the media saying he's trying to gain weight and you know what? He's just one of those guys that can't he can't gain weight. But I am not sending Mitch Marner out there onto the ice without any assurance that another team's not going to try to make a run at him. Because Leo Komarov, as much as he hits, he's not going to be the guy that's going to go in and go up against like a big, bigger in, enforcer. He's not that type of player, and the Leafs don't have many guys like that, and that's why I think bringing a guy like Matt Martin to support, as Lou said, to support, not to protect, is very important. And I, hope, I, I don't know if you agree with me or... Maybe. I mean, I do. I, I really like him. I thought he was a, an excellent guy in the room, too. I mean, he's big in charities around here and, and seems to be universally loved by by the all the fans around here, considering how upset they were that he left. I mean that's always a good thing when other fans are are mad about it, and I got texts from Islanders fans who are saying, you know, he's a he's a good player, and we're sad to see him go. But obviously, we're a team that has money, and they feel that they should invest in other positions. So, well, the yeah, apparently Andrew Ladd was one of those players that they wanted to invest in. But when you're looking at, I, th- I think the other reason why people are kind of taking this whole different look to free agency is because. There was this high hope that Steven Stamkos was going to come here. I'm sorry for bringing up Steven Stamkos. I know we don't really want to talk about it, but 
This kind of reminds me when... It's like Voldemort, the man who shall not be named. <laughs> Basically. It, it just kind of reminds me how the whole David Price, you know, Jace fans were just like, if we get him, great. If we don't get him, it's not a bad... No, we're not going to really complain. They don't get David Price, but then they sign Jay Happ. I, remember, I don't know if you remember the outrage from Jay's fans when Jay Happ was brought back in. I do. It was almost like an earthquake was going off. I, th- I think Jay's fans have kind of uh, realized how dumb that whole assessment of Jay Happ was with the way he's been Considering he's better right yeah. now than... I mean, he, he he worked on his game. Now, I'm not saying Mar- no, Matt Martin's going to have the same impact that Jay Happ's having with the Blue Jays. But I'm just saying, I think... When you have the expectation as a fan to say we have a realistic shot at Steven Stamkos, one of the top free agents to go on the market in recent years, to then signing Matt Martin the day later, I can I think that could probably made Lee's fans see the didn't make them feel great because you already got kicked in the groin when Stamkos went back to Tampa, and then Matt Martin is like the big news out of the day for the Leafs. It's not really an encouraging sign, but I think Lee says need to realize that this is a process. They were only interested in Stamkos. They weren't going to be going all out for him. It didn't really make sense to go all out for him. It's just show him you're interested. If he wants to come, he wants to come. If he doesn't, and it doesn't look like he really wanted to leave Tampa anyways, I think that the Lee's fans were kind of more upset about that in that regard than they were about actually bringing Matt Martin in. I think it was more of a reaction to Sort of I mean, I also think, you know, obviously it's not not good that Stamkos left and – but or didn't even – didn't leave. Sorry, sorry. Um, but, I mean, it would be a lot worse if we didn't already have Austin. But yeah. luckily enough for us, we have Austin Matthews and he will be here for a while. So, I mean, that really softened the blow for us. Yeah. I – I'm looking back on a bunch of Leafs fans who were saying uh, we should take Line A, so then you can have him with with Stamkos. I mean, that would have looked really stupid nowadays, but mm-hmm. thank God we didn't do that. Uh, but I mean, I just look at it as uh, yeah, I guess opportunity missed, but it's definitely not the end of something. And hey, maybe moving forward we'll be able to get a guy like John Tavares. I mean, I'm not oh, holding my breath. Don't start this one now. This is just this is just pouring. I'm not holding my breath, waiting on it, but you yeah. never know, considering where we'll be. But hey, maybe all, hopefully all these kids turn into studs, and we're able to pay them, unlike the Blackhawks. Yeah, and and to give Leafs fans a little bit of kind of hope, Sanchez took a meeting with the Leafs. He didn't even take a meeting with Detroit. So yeah, so I thought would be a better fit for him than yeah. uh, than Toronto. Actually. So I think I think he just wanted to see what it would have been like if what were the Leafs prepared to offer him. I think that was like one of the only few places he was going to leave to. Because if you're going to leave Tampa, you're going to either leave to go back home like Dwayne Wade just did with Chicago, or you're going back to your te- where you're comfortable, or somebody blows you away with money like Buffalo. And I don't think Buffalo was ever in contention in that regard. But you, Austin Matthews is actually something I want to talk about next. Something that's really been a big, not a big issue, but a big topic of discussion is his contract. And the fact that He's the only one out of the top three draft picks to not be signed to their contract. So I'm reciting that Lou's being a little stingy with the bonuses. Um, are you all at all concerned that Austin Matthews hasn't signed his contract, even though training camp's not for a couple months, and maybe Lee's fans should just maybe make it a relax a little bit? No, I, I'm not really concerned with it, the whole thing. Um, 
I mean, you just really look at it, and I think March Marner got the same thing as what they're offering Stamkos, or Stamkos, Matthews. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I'm not really sure about how the bonuses work for NHL. I know in the NFL there's a thing called offset language, which is contract speak. Basically, if you get cut before the end of your contract, you still can receive your money that you were offered, even if another team signs you. I mean, but I don't know how it works. With his bonuses, I don't really know the structure of the contracts, but... Well, okay, so there's different ways that... I'm just going to pull up the article right now that Chris Johnson wrote for Sportsnet. Uh, when it comes to um, the way that they do bonuses for the draft picks, there's three ways, different ways you can go. There's this, uh, Schedule A and a Schedule B type of contract. Uh, I'm just going to pull that up right now. You're frying. Yeah, Thank you, Sportsnet, for your little ad ball there. Those are great. Um, okay, uh, let's see here. Sorry, Chris. Chris wrote a great piece, but it's a, it's a little hard to find. So, okay, so here it is. The first type of deal. These are the kind of deals he can get. He can get a deal with a nine and a quarter mil. Uh, sorry, nine hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in salary, with dollars of a paid and signing bonuses. Okay. Okay. That was the one that they don't want to do, from what I've been like. That's what everyone's saying. Like he does, they don't want to give him the signing bonus. I think this is the one Mitch Marner's on. He you get eight hundred fifty thousand in the Schedule A bonuses, which are tied to individual achievements such as goals, points, time on ice. And then there's the other one, which is two million dollars in Schedule B bonuses, which are given for league-wide excellence, such as trophy nominations or finishing up and scoring. So, I think. Um, the Leafs are kind of in a spot right now where they're trying to get the bonuses to work out. I mean, right. But the way the cap is with the Leafs, I don't think bonuses are really a big problem here. I, I just think it's I think it's kind of the language of the contract and how they want Matthews to kind of go into the season and his focus. Maybe not to worry too much about having his success on the ice being paid out in bonuses kind of like what Panarin did, like his bonuses were paid out because of his on-ice performance. I think maybe they're trying to say it's more like how you're playing around the team. Maybe that's maybe that's what they're trying to convince him. Maybe the agent is pulling for him to get his bonuses paid a certain way. But, I mean, this is not really too much of an issue, but it's I think it's something that definitely needs to be looked at moving forward because Austin Matthews' contract, if it's not signed before a training camp, there's going to be a lot of questions every day for Lamarillo. I mean, he can duck questions pretty well. You know, when he says no comment, reporters tend to know, like, don't even bother asking, but it's going to get to a point where I think the questions are going to keep coming in. Yeah, I mean, it's something that's clearly out of our hands, and hopefully it all works out for the best, but eh, you never know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be overly worried about it, though. Um, now, the next thing I want to talk about, I mean, the development camp's happening right now. One player that's kind of caught my eye is Dmitry Timoshov. Uh, you know, he's a draft pick from last season. He was kind of maybe the best value pick in the draft last year because of how much he's progressed this past season, especially in the queue. In the queue, um, he was quoted as saying that he's expecting to go to the AHL next season with the Toronto Marlies, which would be a good step up for him. Um, looking at this Marlies roster for next year, obviously they're not going to have a player like William Nylander who's going to be that outright star in the AHL. But when you're looking at this Marley's roster, where you have players like Kapanen, Timoshov, 
You're going to have Andreas Johnson, Andrew Nielsen, Renat Valiev, most likely, who will probably go back, and Travis Durant. What are some players you're looking at this Marley's roster, just kind of an early look, that could actually have a good kind of an impact, like someone that you can see kind of shining for next season? Um, I obviously think Kasperi Kapanen is going to be a focal point for the offense for the Marlies next year. I mean, I think none of us expect William Nylander to return with the Marlies next year. So I think it's going to be, for the most part, his team to lead. And he was probably the most impressive Marley throughout, or most surprising Marley in their playoff series. And it, actually their whole entire playoff run. I mean, he had some big goals and in the Devils series, and, you know, he looked really good. Yeah, I mean, Kapanen's one of them, but when I look at this Leafs team, I'm looking at the back end, and I'm just, I'm craving to see one guy kind of put himself over the top. Andrew Nielsen could be that player. I think a lot of people in the Washington development camp say he's been, uh, he's been pretty impressive. That's one guy I'm looking at for next season, but, um, I, I think this Marley's you're gonna see a really really young Marley's team, and um, there there could be the concern of what happened last season where expectation maybe get too high or they're playing so much hockey like you know, going starting from the juniors to development camp, then you're playing a full season with the Marleys, and you got the playoffs. It could be a little too much with them, so hopefully the right mix is going on there. But this year is also very big for the Leafs. For more, for basically one reason is because it's the centennial celebration, 100 years of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, they just unveiled a new centennial logo. I don't know if you saw it, the little silver and chrome with the 100 and the leaf. Um, I did. What did you? What do you think of it? I, I think it looks really nice. I thought it looked good. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to mess up, but they they did it perfect. I mean, it it, it just looks great. There's just the natural leaf with the hundred across from it. I mean. I think it looks incredible. Yeah. Now, along with that leaf, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs also announced that there's going to be some events going on this season. They haven't really given us all the events. They don't want to spoil the surprise right away. But one uh, one thing that kind of uh, that got that caught my attention was the fact that they're going to be bringing back those St. Pat's uniforms. Uh, yeah, that'll the, be interesting. When the Chicago Blackhawks come to town, I'm <laughs> I'm looking forward to see if they're going to go with the whole brown helmet, brown pants the whole get up like they did back when I think it was they played the Sabres and Sundin was on the team they had the uh, St. Pat's uh, jersey uh, up there I think it would be pretty cool to see that again um, the other thing that they were talking about was the whole outdoor game I think that's going to be probably the biggest celebration for this uh, 100th anniversary given that it's outdoors um, what do you th- now the expectations of the Outdoor game. I know this team is not going to be great next season, but do you think this celebrate this outdoor game could be really big for this team, especially the young players? I think it's going to be really fun. I mean, obviously, it's going to be cool for the for the kids to be able to play outside in a, in a big game at BMO Field. And uh, I mean, I think I think next year they'll probably still be a pretty bad team, but I would expect them to be a lot more exciting than they were this past year. Now, just to kind of preview, um, depending on when this podcast goes up, but Chris uh, Chris O'Kranis is kind of working on a roundtable article with all the writers here, and we're we're working on a couple of things. One thing we're working on is a fantasy hockey lineup. Uh, the NBA, or there was a site that put up like a, you put together a fantasy NBA team to go up against the Warriors. 
you get a budget and certain players that you can work with with different you know they all have different values and you try to put up a team that will hopefully be better than the Warriors although with the way that that team is now constructed is I think it's kind of illegal but that's the way the NBA works now um, the TSN because you know TSN decided to up their game and make one for hockey uh, so our next article is actually going to be our choices for our fantasy lineup now they don't get now it's really tough decisions um, although the unanimous I'll, I'll give a little bit away but the unanimous number one center was Connor McDavid although I, I'm kind of surprised that he won it over Sidney Crosby not giving people a choice was kind of weird but uh, maybe Jake you want to maybe give a little tease of your uh, your roster I know we were kind of comparing rosters earlier but uh, maybe a tease of a player that you had a hard time choosing between maybe a left wing right wing or defenseman yeah I mean I know when we we like went through our heads uh, we kind of just put together our lineups quickly I mean I, I had a pretty straightforward lineup with who I thought for left wing right wing um, I mean, I had Jamie Benn on left wing with Connor McDavid and Patrick Kane. Then my second line was uh, Sean Monahan with uh, ta- with Taylor Hall and Nikita Kucherov. And then my defense was uh, Victor Hedman with Drew Doughty. And then the other defense pairing was Mor- uh, Morgan Riley and TJ Brody. Then my goalies were Carey Price and James Reimer. Yeah. So the way, so just to give you like these are, it's not like we had a choice of player all of the players we wanted. We're given certain players, and we we have to kind of match them. So, in the case of the defensemen, you know, you have to pick between like Hedman, Keith, uh, Ekman, Larson. Uh, you'll see my. I think we'll let you see my lineup when the article goes up. But that was probably the toughest decision was on the blue line because there was a lot of good options. I mean, you're leaving off a player like Shane Gostisbehere on your uh, on your lineup. Although having Morgan Riley and TJ Brody is not a bad choice either. Now, I also was bringing up this thought uh, that we were gonna do uh, maybe like a fantasy Leafs lineup, but it also coincides with this other thing the Leafs are doing, which is naming the 100 greatest Leafs of all time. So they're putting together a committee of, I guess I don't know if it's gonna be a committee of players. They weren't really specific on the details, but it's gonna be a committee. They're going to be announcing 100 players, and they're ranking them as terms. I guess they're ranking them from, like, 100 to 1. Unfortunately, uh, Jeff O'Neill is apparently going to be the number 101 or 102. So, sorry for the old dog for that one. but Just missed out. Just missed the cut. I mean, those two seasons, you know, he was, he was a good uh, good heart and soul guy for the Leafs. Uh, Shanahan just, uh, just, just barely missed the cut. But looking at this, this is actually probably a really tough decision. It could be one that fans, it's actually going to get a lot of, I think, debate. Fans are going to have their comments of who they think is the best leap. Part of it could be who you watched growing up. I mean, for me, you know, seeing guys like Matt Sundin, Curtis Joseph, those guys usually ranked a little higher for me. But then you can't miss on a guy like Daryl Sittler, Dave Keon. Looking at that list, Jake, who would be in your running maybe as like a top five, top ten Leafs of all time for you? Oof, that's tough. I mean, again, it's a, it's a generational gap yeah. kind of thing for me. But, I mean, obviously big Matt Sundin guy, Doug Gilmore, um, a couple, couple of those guys. I was a big Brian McCabe fan back in the day. Uh, I mean, a couple guys that 
I thought were incredible players, but were there for a short time. Maybe like Alexander McGilney. I thought he was a yeah. really good player with Matt Sundin. Um, yeah, just a bunch of those are some of the guys I grew up watching. And, you know, obviously Cabriolet and guys like that. But that's tough for me. I guess you would go, what, either uh, Daryl Sitter, Sittler, sorry. Yeah. Uh, or maybe like Dave Keon. All the guys in Legends Row, you got to put Sundin out there in yeah. the top three at least. He's got all the records for the Leafs, if I'm not mistaken. All, he's all the the forwards records. So he has goals, assists, and points. So I mean that, like for me, I think the top three definitely has to be Sittler, Keon, Sundin, and I don't even know what order that would be. But that, like, if that's the top three, I think that's a pretty good one. It, it, I think it'd be a unanimous one. I mean, Johnny Barrow would definitely have to be like a top five just because of you know, his legacy with the Leafs. Frank uh, Mihalovic, uh, Boris Salming. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many great players. This is going to be an interesting list. I mean, we kind of have the unanimous, like maybe top 20, top 30, but then when you get to like the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, 70s, all the way to the 100s, that's going to be where it gets tough. There's yeah. Gonna, there's going to be guys that are left off or guys who are really low and then people think maybe have been undervalued. I mean, who knows where Doug Gilmore is going to go because, you know, he didn't spend a lot of time here, but he had, like, a great impact. Wendell Clark, you know, he was a great player, but maybe someone beat him out because of their accolades. You know, maybe they won a Stanley Cup or they won, like, a Calder back in the day, and people don't know who it is. Um, But, no, I think that's something I'm actually looking forward to the most. I mean, between that and the outdoor game, I think those are the two things that Leaf fans will definitely be looking – should be looking for going into next season. Um now, going into the training camp, I think now it's become a little more apparent that they're not going to be thrusting these young players into the lineup right away. They're not going to push them to be something they're not. I mean, they don't want to put Austin Matthews as the number one center, the number two center. They kind of seem comfortable to put him as the number three. I'm a little surprised that Babcock even wanted to play center right away. I think he always likes to have the younger players start in the wing. Do you think the Leafs are doing this as a cautionary thing, or do you think they're doing it just to kind of ease the players in and not thrust them in? Um, I mean, obviously you don't want to throw them to the fire. I mean, there's obviously cautionary tales of that with teams like Edmonton just throwing their their young players to the fire, and, and it just kills them right away. I also think you don't want to bring them into, like, a losing culture. So, I mean, I don't think the Leafs have a losing culture based on how essentially coddled the players are by management. Yeah. Um, I mean, outside of that, I think outside of Matthews, I don't really expect that many players to immediately start with the Leafs. Maybe Nylander and Marner and Sashnikov and Hyman, so five Outside of that, I think it's going to be a lot of really hard for the young players to to make the team off the bat. So I, I don't really imagine that much pressure. I mean, there's obviously going to be scrutiny about them, but I, I don't think it's it's going to be that bad for them. I, I also fully expect Matthews to play center. I don't see him playing wing. He's a natural center. Yeah. Nylander's kind of a – has played center but is also a big-time winger. So well, that's I, the difference between those two. I've heard people say that when they saw Nylander play center – with the Marlins, especially in the playoffs, it, it really took a lot out of his game. It kind of he kind of had to change his game a bit, and it didn't really work for him, especially with the defensive liabilities. But when I look at the way the Leafs are planning to go into next season, I mean they have a lot of players signed. 
there's some that are going for arbitration. We're gonna talk get to that in kind of a second. Um, but it, it's a weird makeup because I don't know exactly where players are gonna slot in. I mean, I guess maybe that's why we have to kind of wait till training camp to discuss this. But I think you're bringing up a great point in saying that you know it's not a losing culture anymore because players are willing to compete every day. I think the coaching change with Mike Babcock really helped with that. But I think you're right in saying that it's not it's not easy to just throw a kid in the fire. I think that's where Edmonton went wrong. I mean, Edmonton went wrong on so many levels. It's just comical. But um, I, I do agree that you know you don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's it's important to remember that this is a process, and I think expectations have to still remain low going to next season. Now, I did want to get into some players that don't have contracts. And so, I mean, RFAs, some of the RFAs don't have contracts. They were tendered their qualifying offer, but three decided to go to arbitration. Peter Holland, Frankie Corrado, and I think Martin Marinson was the third one. Were you surprised to hear those three players wanted to go to arbitration? Uh, I mean, I really wouldn't. Um... I was kind of surprised that they even tendered, gave RFA option Peter Holland. I don't really see him as a fit long-term with the Leafs. Um, wasn't really shocked with Corrado based on how much of an effort they made to keep him with the Leafs and not putting him on waivers. I mean, Marinson had a had a surprising end in the season, so that doesn't shock me. I, I think the only guy there, though, uh, that I would give longer than one year is, is probably Marinson. I mean, based on how he played near the end of the year. Yeah, I mean that that's a, he's probably the one guy that maybe saw his value analytically and saw his value in other areas that he thought maybe this is the time that he can get a better offer. I I mean they still have time before arbitration even begins before they do anything. But one guy mentioned on Twitter that it was funny that Corrado decided to elect for arbitration considering I know he didn't play. You no, know, there's that whole thing where they didn't want to get rid of him, but when he was there. There's not a lot to go by to... I don't know what exactly he's hoping to get. Maybe he's looking to get a guarantee of some sort of what his future's like. I mean, I'll, it's, it's a weird situation with the whole arbitration thing. These weren't the guys that I would have expected to go to arbitration. I thought maybe some players that, like Josh Lebel, or I don't know if he ha he was eligible for arbitration, but like Connor Carrick, I'm surprised those guys didn't go. Just to kind of pressure the Leafs to give them a deal. Um, so that's going to be kind of an interesting story to watch. Maybe some of these players either walk or they get traded. But, um, I mean, you never know. It's the Leafs. Uh, I'm also really surprised. They have a lot of fringe NHL players that I don't really see as having a future with the Leafs that they could they could easily deal. I mean, outside, you got Leipzig. Who, I mean, I don't really – I'm not that high on him. Uh, Levo, who management clearly doesn't like, and, and like Frankie Corrado. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are those are guys that you could move. I mean, if you if they don't uh, have a future with management, I would just get rid of them while their value is somewhat high. Yeah. Because it doesn't really make sense to keep any of those guys around for me. I, you, I mean, the way that the Marlies are going to be structured is they're going to be super young, which is good. It should be like that in like minor league baseball, where you just put all your prospects in one place. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the Leafs also lucked out in getting guys that were drafted just last year in the lineup right away and in yeah. Dermott, uh Nielsen and also uh Timishov. That's yeah. that's actually that's that's huge for them. And they're gonna have more with this year's draft 
those yeah, were a lot of overagers. A lot of overagers too. So I think they do luck out with that. I, I'm thinking you're gonna see another sort of deal that they did last season where some of these guys are gonna get traded for one player that a team needs a cap dump and the Leafs need contract space. I, I really do see that happening again just because there's just so much uncertainty. There's just it's not like okay, we expect we're not expecting Peter Holland to play every game next season. We're not expecting Frankie Carrado to play every game, and we're probably not expecting Martin Marins to play every game. I, I don't see that just because of the way that the Leafs have configured their lineup for next year. I don't know if you agree with that, but I, I think they've really left this uh, roster out in the open. Now, this is kind of a random point on my part, but when I saw the Roman Polak signing, one player. And now this is kind of like an old memory of mine because I was cleaning cleaning an office space in my house and I saw an old hockey news magazine with Luke Shen on the cover. Uh, yeah, I got asked that question a couple times. And it was a um, it, the the kind of the headline to the big piece around Shen was the the uh, the Bay Street Bullies are coming. This was this was back in the Burke era. Do you think it would have been a better idea for the Leafs? to go after a guy like Luke Shen as opposed to a guy like Roman Polak? If it was similar money? Yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, he's he's younger. He's clearly a better uh, clearly a better skater. I yeah. mean, uh, I would. I, I mean, I think it would be a really good idea. Uh, that's why I was I was all on board with, like, Chris Chris Russell, but only in, in a shortened, shortened yeah. contract offer. Obviously, I mean, I'm not going to blow my brains out yeah. and go four or five years on him, but... If it's like two, one or two years, I'm I'd be all for overpaying slightly to have a guy that can pretty much just hold a place for a young guy to get better and, and take their time. Yeah, like see what I'm the issue I'm seeing with the Chris Russell thing is that he's looking for a long term deal and I don't think the Leafs want to give anyone on, on defense a long term deal. And I think that's that's like the stalemate right now. I don't know what other teams could go after Chris Russell. I think the Bruins were the other team, but Apparently he he's asking for way too much. I just don't see the fit in terms of the contract. No, neither do I. I I wouldn't do anything over two years. And now the other reason why I brought up Luke Shen was because it obviously didn't work out in Philly. I mean, he was expected to be a top four defense when they traded uh, JVR to the Leafs for him. But then he got traded to L.A. He was kind of that one player that they needed to get some cap relief, and they sent him to L.A. along with uh, Le Cavalier. And he actually didn't play terribly in L.A. He was a positive possession guy. You know, he still put up the hits. He was he was playing reasonable minutes. I'm I'm just I'm just a little puzzled that he actually hasn't been signed yet. I don't know if maybe I'm just overvaluing him, but like you're. Uh, seeing... I, I I am too. I mean, he's a young guy, still about probably about 26 or something around there. Yeah, 26, 27. I think that's his age. So, I mean, I don't see it. If you're a, a team like Chicago who needs a depth defenseman and maybe they'll sign down cheap for a year, I, I'd see why not. There's, there, you could do a lot worse than Luke Shen, let's just say that. Yeah, that's definitely well, – we already, we've already seen that. But, uh, I mean, there's just – it's just a weird situation. I mean, I know he really felt the cliff after being a, uh, a top-10 pick and then Ron Wilson basically ruining his career by playing him against Sidney Crosby in his first year. But I know people People are saying like his first year was his best year, but he was also playing with Thomas Cavalier, which kind of helped him with that. Um, so I'm a, little, I'm a little disappointed that Shen hasn't been able to find a home yet, and maybe 
maybe, maybe, maybe there's a chance to at least look at him as a tryout or maybe we'll have to figure out. Uh, that'd be uh, that'd be pretty ironic if that happened. That would be pretty, yeah, it would be pretty ironic, paying his dues back to Toronto. Um, but no, as we, uh, I guess this this is the point now where Leafs talk gets really, really bare. Like, there's really not much else to talk about other than development camp, but um just want to give our listeners a little heads up that we are going to be um, recording a little bit more towards the Blue Jays, the Toronto Blue Jays, who are basically one of the best hitting teams in baseball right now. One of the best watching. teams in baseball. Basically, yeah, I would say one of the best teams in baseball outside of maybe the Cleveland Indians. And, uh, and the Texas Rangers. God, the Rangers. Got to hate them. But uh, just giving you a heads up that our uh, Leafs, Leafs podcast will probably be taking a break going into the summer. Uh, we'll probably be going into our Blue Jays podcast really soon. I mean, we haven't forgotten about our Jays. It's just the Leafs kind of had some... Uh, Leafs and Raptors kind of had some stuff uh, get in the way a little bit. But um, maybe we'll just give the fans give the fans a little bit of a tease. What has been your... So, like, we've been watching the Jays kind of often. I've been watching them as everything's been going on. So I've been keeping tabs, and I know you have been too. What do you think has been the most surprising thing about this Jays team this year? Pitching, starting pitching, easily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's both surprising in both a good way and a bad way because Marcus Stroman got off to kind of a really slow start to the year. I mean, the last uh, I was at the game uh, when he pitched against the Royals, and he just he looked like the old Marcus Stroman that you know goes that eight innings, getting those ground balls, but. Um, he he's a guy that I'm a little disappointed with. Just kind of like he put too much on himself. I think going into the year, um, R. A. Dickey is R. A. Dickey. Marco Estrada. I'm actually kind of surprised he's able to stay the consistency from last year. J. Happ. I mean, I, I think they're getting their money's worth out of J. Happ as a lefty. And then the emergence of Aaron Sanchez and oh. a star. Now this is. The, I'm, I'm gonna. We're probably gonna save this topic for the for the podcast, but. I'm just going to be a little tease and saying that if they move Aaron Sanchez to the bullpen, that just proves that how scared Gibby is to throw anyone from that bullpen out in the game. Because, yeah, I know. Um, it, it's, it's getting to the point now where I, like Aaron Sanchez has been dominating. Like He's been one of the best outside of Under Estrada. Under three, all right, easily. Yeah, and... Now they're all a little concerned about the elbow, and I've actually I think it was Pat Hennigan, he was on TSN and he was saying like these are there are certain signs to be watching for when it comes to the fatigue with Sanchez, and that's probably what the the Jays are looking for right now. I think they're looking for a reason to put him in the bullpen because I know they they want to keep him. I think the only person I have ever heard say they want to keep him as a starter is GM Ross Atkins, because Shapiro and Gibbs have basically basically said that they want him in the bullpen. Just because I don't think uh, Shapiro or uh, or Gibbons want the want the team to go out and get a relief arm when they have one apparently in the starting rotation, but uh, we'll we'll save that talk for the uh, for the Blue Jays podcast. But I think maybe we'll give a give a little sign off to our Leafs fans who have been uh, who has been very patient <laughs> through this process. Although I think the patience will be wearing thin very soon, but uh, maybe we'll give a little last address to Leafs fans, Jake. Going forward, can we give the Leafs fans a nice message of hope for this team? Yeah, you finally got a star. For the first time since Matt Sundin in about over 10 years, got to be, they have a star. 
Yeah, for me, the two words are going to be... Actually, I'll, I'll give three names. Marner, Matthews, Nylander. And that would be my sign-off. That's good enough for me. That's good enough for me, too. So, from all of us here at Tip of the Tower, I want to thank you guys for listening to our Leafs podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can like our pa- Facebook page, Tip of the Tower. If you have any questions for us, Crystal Crayons can be reached at at Crystal Crayons. Myself, I can be reached at at dmorris underscore morrisuti. And then you can reach Jake at at jakemiddleton12. We'll still have Leaf articles going up once in a while, but um, this is kind of like our little uh, vacation for the summer when it comes to hockey. A little decompression from the from the stress of the Leafs. But I uh, want to thank you all for listening. And don't forget to buy that new merchandise. Because it looks I, really I will nice. be. Yeah, the Under Armour hat looks really nice. It does. Especially when it's on Austin Matthews. Sweden, William Nylander. The Knights, Mitch Marner. 